da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Well, the time has come. The wait is over. It all comes down to this, guys. We now, did it, guys. We made it. We did. I would say that the, the wait has just started again for the third. <laughs> the countdown has begun for the third installment already from this day forward. This is a big day for the show. Um, big, highly anticipated day. Maybe since The Force Awakens. Maybe more anticipated than that, actually. <laughs> In terms yeah. of, uh, just I would our say listeners. for yeah, hardcore listeners, this is probably a bigger deal, and for us as well, especially for Brian. He hated Star Wars. The only thing that could be bigger, <laughs> potentially, is MacGruber Two, which uh, is oh, coming down the pipe. Yeah. It's just, deal that would be. Yeah. it's so funny to me. And before we start here, uh, no movie news tonight, guys. This is now you see me for the entire length of the show. We'll be back to regularly scheduled programming next week, but it's just so ironic. This this entire situation is so so funny to me because um, I want to take you back, back to a time where Richard and I were just young <laughs> podcasters, and uh, and it was an exciting time for us because we were invited to our first real first real screening uh, since since starting the show. We were excited about it. Richard and I, we met, we met up uh, in downtown Dallas. Uh, we bo- we don't, both don't live in downtown Dallas, but we met up. We wanted to see this movie and perhaps talk about it on the show and uh, you know maybe grab a drink afterward. And uh, So we meet up. We're excited about the screening, and uh, we see the movie. And the rest is really history from there. But uh, We should say, <laughs> we should reset... The um, so yeah, it was it was run by Summit, right? Is that the studio? It was a Summit production. It was a Summit. It was a Summit joint, and uh, they uh, they ran the screening with an iron fist. So you know it's good. They did that. Yeah, they were very very um, interested in all of our cell phones and you know various recording. It was probably two or three weeks before the movie came out, and I get it. And so um, you know, Kent and I, because we're Kenton. And me, we, 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 uh, you know, we, we made some jokes with the, uh, producers and the, uh, security guards and they did not enjoy those jokes whatsoever. Um, uh, Ken, Ken, Ken was, was, was lobbing them some softballs and, uh, yeah. and they were not swinging at all. Um, and it was really, well, I mean, to be fair, this is a very serious film. Like it's, you're not just going to see some, like heist movie about magicians. Like this is Oscar caliber material. You're right. So you need and, to be pretty serious about that. And politically. It's pretty disrespectful to be honest. Politically and socially, <laughs> yeah. you know, touches on some taboos that, you know, you just can't joke around. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we got in line and this awesome bro <laughs> behind us uh, started talking to us because uh, Kent and I both share a gene that is about 5% of people have where people just talk to us and yeah. we don't engage. We would prefer, we're both borderline sociopaths that would rather be in our headphones or reading. Right. And people just start chatting us up. And this guy did. And, uh, he 
was a he really wanted us to know that he works for the magician Chris Angel, uh, the best, the best magician, the mind, mind freak. freak, yeah, yeah. The, mind, the mind freak himself. And um, that, did he say Chris Angel or did he say I work for the mind freak? He said, <laughs> said we should add. By the way, we have Jason Davidson on the line. Yes, special episode. Welcome back. Yeah. Thanks. Jumped, Excited to be here. He jumped his intro, but whatever. That's fine. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so the guy wanted us to know that, you know, he knows how a lot of the tricks are done in this film, that, they, you know, they were consultants. He, uh, he, that guy that completely day. ruined the illusion for me before <laughs> even seeing it. He revealed that, in fact, th- this isn't magic, that if you, if you actually well, sit in the rafters during a magic show, you'll yeah. see you'll that see it's, all, it's all just tricks. Yeah, it's yeah not he told really, us that. Well, which was actually Tell that funny. to Louis Lettier. Yeah, I was going to say. It was it was weird that he told us that. And then really funny, once we got 30 minutes into um, the film and realized that, I mean, 99.9% of the tricks are just done with CGI or edits. Like, there's no magic really in the movie. You know what I mean? There's no actual sleight of hand or anything interesting or uh, that has any involved logic to it. It's just, you know, the same amount of magic that's in Captain America. And so that was awesome. And then, uh, so we we go through the whole movie. And the whole time, the audience were packed. Everyone's loving it. It's just time of their lives. And Kent and I are both not not loving it. I'm liking it more than Kent, just because I'm I'm weird. And so the the, the no movie, no you liked it, not not because you're weird. You you liked the movie. <laughs> yeah, loved it. And the lights came on, and Kent was like. They were sitting there with now the producers kind of walking out of the, the, the film. And I was like, what do you think? And I said, I remember now, this. I said, it was worth the price of admission, which was free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was worth free. And you go, that was awful. That was really awful. And you made sure that they heard you. And I, because I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a pleaser. I don't want to hurt people's feelings ever. And you're a better person than me because you're way more honest. I said, the only compliment that I can come up with, which by the way, bore out to be true. I said, I can't wait to watch that on TNT on a Sunday afternoon in three years because that's the kind of movie it is. And you looked at me with just the deadest eyes I've ever seen you. And you just said, <laughs> we're going down an escalator at this point. And you go, I never want to see the movie again ever in my life. I just want to. <laughs> that's correct. That is how it happened. And you can find the full story sadly, in, in that episode. In but. full, in complete silence, went down the escalator and just like, I can't say that we're dead. Or drink after, and we were just not in the mood, and we just both got in our cars and drove home. It was a great, great <laughs> night for the show. But uh, not only did you get to see it again, Kent, you got to see a sequel, and that's awesome. So, so Brian, uh, Brian yeah. got to the movie later, a few weeks later, and then we did an episode on it. And then Jason, a few weeks after that, he joined our show for the first time, and we asked for his thoughts on it. And he was so funny and uh, so uh, passionate, for lack of a better word, <laughs> about the film. That uh, we had to bring him back for this one. So that, I think, kind of, is that, did I get everyone caught? That's what I was getting to, but uh, in in a a longer sense, of course. But what I was getting to is it's just so ironic that from where we started, from that story on me never wanting to see the movie again, let alone (laughs) do an episode on the the movie, I I swore to you that day, Richard, uh, I think you said, well, at least it'll be fun podcast it'll be a fun thing to, a fun episode uh, on the podcast and i said i never want to talk about the movie because <laughs> i don't want people to be able to search for the movie and find our podcast which is Doesn't so look- funny 
because it's become like kind of our calling card to the point that I talked to somebody hey, today. Yeah. I talked to somebody today who said, I kind of asked, oh, yeah, you listen? Yeah, when did you start? And he was like, well, <laughs> my friends uh, my friends said, you got to see this movie. Now you see me. It's really bad. And so I did. And then afterwards, I was like, I got to find some other people who think this is bad. And so I just started searching for podcasts about now you see me. And he's like a lifetime listener now. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and, and so not only were you wrong in leaving the film, in the first paragraph of your obituary, there will be a reference to Now You See Me. That This is your legacy. <laughs> I just want to, and if this hasn't become clear in the past, I'm sorry. I, I, I really sorry. This isn't a bit. This is, this is not a, <laughs> a lot of people think, you know, we have bits on the show. And I think the cup probably ranks as the number one bit, like that we, we actively do. As a bit, like we're not, we're not, we're, we're not that serious about the cup. We just do it as a bit. We, this is not a bit. This is one of the worst movies <laughs> slash franchises in the history of filmmaking. And, and I only argue with that, your word that, one of. I find that offensive. It, it is, it's, it's arguably the worst film that has ever, that's ever come out. And, <laughs> and I can, I feel like I can back that up. With almost ninety nine thousand different points, um, people people will say, you know, what's the worst movie of all time, Kent? And I'll say, now you see me, and uh, they'll say, hey, come on. no, no, that's not the worst of all time. Like that's not. Uh, come on, I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't. No, when you really think about it, and if you really want to break it down, like scene by scene, shot by shot, plot point by plot point, it is. It's right up there. And, um, I hadn't, I'd sworn, I'd sworn it off. Richard proudly week by week watches. Now you see me and will Texas guys, <laughs> guess what I'm doing? Watching now you see me and all this stuff. And I've it's seen funny it and does it as a bit. And, times. and I've, sw- yeah, and I've, sw- I've sworn it off. I'm not going to watch the movie again. Um, and I hadn't seen it since the theater, since that one screening until two days ago. Um, <laughs> Rewatch the original, and guys, um, <laughs> it is it's 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 almost a hundred times worse than I remember it being. It is it is just horrific. Um, I'm not even kidding. I had two pages of notes in my little notebook here before the title of the movie comes across the screen. The, the title of Now You See Me comes across the screen. I the, just picture Kent, it like, is these so notes, or they're, they're not even notes, it's just MacGruber's pad, just KFBR392. It's basically just, that. <laughs> the entire first art. page is all stuff before the opening credits, so that's what you have to oh, go by. Man. I do have a solution for you, though. If you, if you have that much trouble watching it, you need to just sit closer to the screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you might be seeing too far away. Yeah, I the closer you are, the less you'll see. I couldn't get over... How stupid and cheesy <laughs> the intro was. This is how this is how it started out for me. So I'm so I'm online. I'm like, oh, I wonder what uh, streaming services have now. You see me available so that I can watch it and not have to pay money to watch now. You see me because that would be doing the devil's work. <laughs> um, and so I go to HBO Go and I'm like, all right. I go to genres. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to find out you see me. I go to genres, and I look at the genres on HBO Go, and they are as follows. Action, comedy, <laughs> drama, family, horror sci-fi, 
and suspense. I was like, which of these categories does Now You See Me fall into? Well, it could be any of them. Could be an action movie. Could be a comedy. Perhaps a drama. A family movie? Of course. Science fiction? Why not? Suspense? Oh, it's suspenseful. <laughs> so I, be- I, pl- I placed a bet on myself to find out which, um, which genre they had classified it as. It's an action film. I didn't know if you knew that, but no, okay. is, a, is an action movie. I don't know why or how it's classified that way. Car chase. Uh, car oh, chase. okay. The, the, uh, the GPS scene. Yeah, GPS yeah. scene really yeah. takes it over the top. They throw a lot of cards. <laughs> I could have sworn they would classify this as horror sci-fi. I was scared. Well, uh, I mean, when I think about the great action movies uh, of all time, I usually go with Die Hard at one. Uh, probably Lethal Weapon at two, and then uh, Now You See Me. So <laughs> It makes no sense. If you're trying to tell somebody, have you seen Now You See Me? No, what's that? Oh, it's this action movie with magicians. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the way it started out, was, was uh, me trying to figure out what genre it fell into. And by the way, on HBO right now, they have an inside look at Now You See Me Too, <laughs> and it's 12 minutes long, and it oh. is glorious. I wish I almost like cut the audio of that and just so I could play it on the show and we could just break down how ridiculous just that 12 minute little behind the scenes thing is and how everyone's like uh, they're interviewing the cast and everyone's like, yeah, it's really fun movie. Uh, It's it's fast paced. Like, you know, they're trying to like compliment it with like backhanded compliment it like. Excited, shot, to, uh... you know, really excited to see uh, Woody again. Haven't seen him in a while, you know. Like <laughs> nothing about being excited to return for the fa- the franchise or anything like China, that. China was pretty cool, um, and uh, you know, I really. Uh, it's cool to be. The cameras were nice. Yeah. We had all these lights, and there were cameras, and you know, all these yeah. people were doing things. Yeah. The uh, the four million dollars was was pretty nice. I, I won't lie. That was that was a good uh, good day when I cashed that check. I hated I, the the intro of Now You See Me. Just it loses you immediately. The come in closer, look, turn around because you will see people, and if you look close, these people will come around and not be around anymore. Like it's just throwing words that makes no sense at you. And let me just the the phrase, the closer you are, the less you'll actually see. They makes, came up with that before the movie. Makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. No, no. It makes yeah. none. It's like saying, taking two words that are related to each other and put them at like, those who can breathe cannot see the wind. Okay? <laughs> what? The, no? Ancient Chinese proverbs say. How, how is the closer you look, the less you'll see? Because well, magicians use that, right? Because like, they want you with very limited perspective. They want you zoomed in, focused, so that they can trick you. Because if you're far away, much like our friend in line told us, if you're far away, you can see how the magic is done. Unfortunately, in this movie... But then how is the closer is you look, the less you'll see if you... less? It just doesn't make sense at all. Quite trying to defend the, the phrase, the closer you are, the less you'll see. It's so... Kent is so mad tonight. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, the way they re- I forgot how they reiterate that uh-huh. almost yeah. like, it's a, like it's his catchphrase of yeah. the movie and Eisenberg will use it when he tricks somebody <laughs> sorry the closer you look the less you'll see and then just like runs off with the music playing it's just I've forgotten how how much like I thought I thought it was just like the poster phrase you know the catchphrase of the title 
of the movie or whatever, uh, the subtitle of the movie. And um, I just I had just forgotten how much they rely on that ridiculous phrase for this movie. Um, but that's so so stupid. And from there, they try to introduce every character to us uh, one by one, and each intro is just the worst. I mean, we get to Eisenberg doing a card trick uh, against a building. No one knows how that happened. Um, then we cut to Harrelson, who is hypnotizing a guy who admits to cheating on his wife. He basically ruins this person's marriage <laughs> for money. You black, blackmail them. Blackmails yeah. this. It ruins this guy's life and is laughing about it. And so that's the introduction to, to Woody. We're off to a great start. And uh, That's the most likable thing he does, though. Through the yeah, course most likable. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a gr- off to a great start. And then we cut to Franco, who is on a ferry doing magic. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> because, as I pointed out to, because I I had friends over to watch this movie. The first they one. were friends. They were yeah, they were. We're now. not friends anymore, yeah. uh, unfortunately for me. But I had people over to watch it, and as I pointed out in our showing, the best time to do uh, any kind of pickpocketing is when you're on a boat and you can't escape. You have right, to like right, really exactly. run to get onto the dock to get out. Like, that's exactly. A, definitely the best time to to pull the pickpocket routine. And- so he's performing on the on the boat, and he's like, I'm going to make this spoon. I'm going to bend this spoon with my mind. He starts to bend the spoon, and a guy comes up, grabs the spoon out of his hand. He goes, wait a minute. He didn't really bend the spoon. This guy's not a real magician. And, like, just as if he didn't know that this was. If I expect like, real magic. Yeah, I, I thought this guy was really going to bend it with <laughs> He swindled us. Oh, you know, it was, well, he was actually a warlock. <laughs> exactly. I was supposed to just go to work like some kind of animal. <laughs> wait, wait, this guy's tricking us. Wait. Uh, and so that's ridiculous. And I, I still don't hey, know. For the show. I'm outraged. Frank Franco in this. He's, he's not a magician. He does no. He has no ability. He, no. he throws cards fast. Yeah, he's Gambit. He's essentially Gambit with an unmutated version of Gambit. He can <laughs> he can paper cut you slightly, like a slight inconvenience maybe <laughs> is what he can provide to the team. <laughs> and uh, cut to Isla Fisher and her introduction and a pool Ugh. of piranhas. Um. <laughs> Don't know why that this is the way they chose to introduce her. Uh, they apparently she almost drowned multiple times on set trying to film it. <laughs> in, in hindsight, she she might wish that she had just that so that she didn't have to be in this movie. Louis Lady is like, I like promise this is the most pivotal moment of the movie. This defines right. your character. Yeah. This is your introduction. Has no bearing on Nothing. anything whatsoever, yeah. and uh, it's, it's so so dumb. And so we cut back to Eisenberg at this point, and he's with a chick, and they're hooking up. And this chick is like, oh my gosh, I have always wanted to hook up with J. Daniel Atlas, the magician. Um, apparently, magicians are ladies' men, and not like weird guys oh, that you would man. hire at your kid's birthday party, pay them $1,000, and then hope they never show up again because... Uh, the, the kind of person that would have that as a career is never someone you want your kids to be around. Uh, it's uh, they've warped their perspective. Like they, they they try to make us think that magicians are awesome and everyone loves magicians. And uh, oh, it, it, it's essentially 
uh, like croquet players. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, croquet is a really cool skill to have, but it's a very minor skill. You can impress somebody with maybe seven <laughs> seconds uh, worth of it, but a girl is not going to like you because of your ability to croquet. Like, I, I'm pretty sure if you, when you, you know, whip out a magic trick at a party, everyone's just like, Rolls their eyes and like, oh, this guy. Yeah. Immediately, Claudia, Claudia Schiffer was super into it. <laughs> and, right, and then they think like, well, wow, this kid's got way too much time on his hands if all he's doing is practicing card tricks so he can impress people at parties. Like, it's a really kind of weird thing to be obsessed with. I don't know. No offense to any side <laughs> magicians out there who have a side career, but it's just. It's funny because like a show like Arrested Development or a movie like Burt Wonderstone, they understand the magician and how everyone thinks they're stupid and they make fun. They satirize, they satirize that beautifully, honestly, and it's hilarious. And uh, Joe Bluth being the crowning achievement of that thinks he's awesome, mm -hmm. knows he's awesome actually, but he's actually ridiculous. And uh, and so. For this movie to try to flip around the stereotype of magicians and give us a uh, a great action movie is is offensive, but um, then they get to the eye, the actual like apartment. Uh, they get recruited to the eye, and then they they go in, and they there's like a vase there, and Isla picks up a rose, puts the rose in the vase, and then it starts filling up the room with water and then there's like smoke coming a lot of out water in there mm. a lot of water i don't understand like what what was the eye thinking like okay we're gonna recruit them but if isla doesn't put that rose in this vase <laughs> there's pretty much nothing we can do and uh the plot won't move forward there's so many moments but even in the sequel where if this doesn't happen literally <laughs> nothing else can happen and yeah. uh, there's some stuff i want to point out later but I guess all that to say, on this second rewatch, it was just even more incredibly ridiculous than yeah. I remembered. The holograms are awful. The spinning camera in the first—we got to do a commentary track in on the it, first guys. bank robbery scene. It's just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. Um, it's it's nauseating and. Um, Oh, uh, I, I can't, I honestly can't talk about it more because I will go two hours on this, this, this first movie. Um, but do you guys have any other thoughts? Brian, you said you rewatched the first one. Yeah. Jason, I'm yeah. sure you were there. Anything that kind of crept up on you that you hadn't remembered the first or last time around? Well, I mean, I was surprised at how bad it is because we've been, you know, we've been making fun of it literally for three years now. And I didn't, you know, I don't think it's as bad as, as you do, Can't like, worst movie of all time. I, I think I had it in my bottom five of that year, but it's, to me, it's not as bad as Lone Ranger, which was my number one awful movie of, of that illustrious year. Um, I told most of the people in our, in my, my viewing party hadn't seen it before, so I said, look, it, you know, if you like this movie, just understand we can agree to disagree on that. The idea of this movie is to trick you into thinking that this is a, a good movie. Like, that's that's the whole point of the movie. It's not to make a good movie. It's just to make a movie that fools you into believing that it's entertaining for TNT on a Sunday afternoon, Isn't which has always been Richard's position. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. It's tongue in cheek, right? It's doing that not on purpose, but perhaps that's it's in game, I guess. Um, so I kind of like as it started, I had this moment of like, what if this isn't as bad as I thought it was? If I remembered it and everybody in this room thinks I'm a pretentious douche for for hating this film. And there's other reasons to think <laughs> that, but uh, I didn't want it to be because of this, since this is kind of our calling card within five minutes everybody in the room was just like booing at the screen and just angry and which is exactly what i wanted uh to happen for all of them and uh it's a really really bad movie it the one thing it has going for it is it does move pretty fast and so if you don't i said i've said this before if you don't tug at any string and you just take it completely at face value you can watch now you see me the first one and say oh that was fine that was an entertaining fun movie i guess it's just like literally the first thought of well, wait now how why did they do this or how did that happen the first thought of that you start pulling out a thread and the entire sweater comes loose i just yeah i just don't zero sense i just don't yeah. see how anyone can watch the first 15 minutes and be like all right i'm on board you know yeah like oh, it's so poorly yeah. set up and executed yeah and the logic there's none right. at no. all in any sense in any so. form uh, of that movie, I just don't see like it. It never got me. You know, I can see yeah, how somebody can be like, I "Well, I was kind of, I was kind of yes. hooked at the beginning, and then from yes. then I just kind of was on for the ride." Like it never hooks you, and it's the the scripting is so bad, the exposition is so mm-hmm. forced in so many so many ways. Uh, in that first bank robbery sequence, there <laughs> they introduce the Tressler character in the middle of the show. Uh, <laughs> like, what what if you're at yeah. a magic show? Yeah. And they're doing a middle of a trick, and they're like, by the way, let's introduce the CEO of the Tressler Corporation. <laughs> right, this yeah. is the guy who funded the yeah. show. This is like – It's like the way. Oscars when they yeah. bring up accountants and we all just immediately tune out. Yeah. It's it's such a weird thing because I – like you're totally right. I said there's, there's nothing no other about way it. for yeah. us to find out who that guy is rather than right. them to <laughs> – Tell the entire audience at their show and him stand up and wave and spotlight goes on him and all that. And uh, I just the the devil's advocate on that. That is a that's a film critic kind of complaint, not a movie goer complaint. And so to me, it's like, look, if you can. I hate all the characters in this movie. And that that became even more relevant or prevalent, excuse me, than I had remembered. Like that was that came rushing back of. I hate everybody in this movie, except for kind of Dave Franco, but only just because I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. So I really hate J. Daniel Atlas and Woody Harrelson and, and all of these characters. I hate them. So there's nothing to like about those characters. And there's so much that we see as, um, I don't want to toot our own horns, but educated filmgoers, let's say, if not full on movie critics. And so, but if you really like magic or you like, spinning cameras or just like <laughs> Michael Bay loved it. Yeah. I mean, if if you're totally, if you're only paying attention to the, yep. oh, of the dazzling display of, of uh, horrible filmmaking, um, you can, I think you can say, you could come out of that saying, Oh, that was okay. I, you know, it was enjoyable. It's, so it's just, got- you can't think about it critically for one second because it immediately unravels. So we've got on, on that on that note, we have a uh, we have an email from a listener that uh, that, you know, in the, in the 
the Venn diagram of now you see me fans <laughs> and mad about movies fans. Uh, he might be the, the lone one in the middle, but he, he articulated his point very well. And, and we like to be a, a fair and open show. So we're going to, I'm going to read this real quick. It's a short email. Um, and it's very nice and, and, and things, but, uh, let's, let's see if we can, cause Brian just explained very well the, you know, how some people might like this movie. And I, I agree with him. So let's, uh, let's listen to this. Hey guys, uh, this is from Jordan Joseph, by the way. Hey guys, first off, wanted to say that I'm a super huge fan of the show. Well, thank you, Jordan. I add parenthetically, I discovered it a few months ago while poking around on apps on my phone. Honestly, I had no idea what a podcast was, but I figured I should find out since the app was on my phone. Long story short, <laughs> you know, it was the first podcast I found and it's still my favorite. It has got me through countless hours of driving. That's what we're good for. And I'm almost done with all of your old recordings and I don't know what to listen to when I'm finished. Uh, one of my favorite things to hear you guys do is bash terrible movies. I tried watching Jupiter Ascending yesterday. Don't think I lasted as long as Richard. I'm sure you didn't. And I hated it. Uh, for the most part, I'm always in agreement with you guys on good and bad movies. Now, here's the shocking part. By the way, this email is is titled is in the uh, subject, and it's great. Now you found me. Memoirs of the Lone. Now you see me, fan. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, now, here's the shocking part. A New York, though, a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> it is. It is. Even though I'm a huge movie buff, normally hate popcorn movies and criticize all poorly thought out movies, sometimes too much, where my boyfriend hates watching movies with me. I love Now You See Me. Now, let me be clear. I'm not arguing that it's a good movie. The idea that it was a bad movie never crossed my brain until I heard you guys talking about it. Having heard you, I'm very willing to admit that it's a bad movie. Yet you are talking to the mythical 1% of America who actually loves magicians. Not like love. Probably my dream profession from the ages 6 through 12. So any movie about magicians, even a bad one, has me hooked. Well, this this fits the bill then. <laughs> so the, after just seeing the second Now You See Me literally less than an hour ago, I have to say I think it's enjoyable. I truly like the characters and actors and plot twist. Maybe they are terrible characters who are acting in an awful script with predictable plot holes, but I like it. I won't try to defend this as masterful cinema, but I simply wanted you guys to know some random person who seriously loves cinema actually likes Now You See Me. That being said, I can't wait to hear y'all bash this new movie uh, from Jordan. Uh, this is. Uh, I appreciate we That's great. And yeah. uh, my only response to that, Jordan, is uh, I totally get how you could w like magic. I loved David Copperfield growing up. I thought he was incredible. Uh, we watched his specials. We watched him make the Statue of Liberty dis disappear, do all that. I was blown away. Uh, I really like David Blaine. I think he's doing some some of the most incredible illusions of all time, endurance illusions and things like that. Um, he's, I'm a Penn and Teller he's guy. Really, he's really Penn and Teller, another great example. Um, they've been able to take a magic act and turn it into comedy. Um, they They mm -hmm. have their own spin on what they do. And uh, they are quite good at it. Um, there is a lot to admire about d being a good ma magician. Uh, sleight of hand is not an easy thing to master. Uh, you know, um, it takes years, you know, over 10,000 hours to master sleight of hand. You know, any magician will tell you um, it takes years to even start to want to be, uh, be good enough to be a professional magician. Having said that... Um, I, I thought that's what we were going to get coming into Now You See Me. Uh, we talked about it in the line there. Um, if they can do it, you know, pay homage to these great magicians, you know, maybe 
include a couple of classic tricks that the audience would know, you know, the sawing a person in half, the rabbit out of the hat, things like that, that um, we could have a fun movie. If they, they utilize what makes magic great, we could have a fun movie, you know, with the heist element involved. Um, but this movie, there's no tricks. There's no illusions in it. Uh, they take the easy way out in every sense of the word. Uh, they substitute fun sleight of hand with cheap CGI. Uh, they, the plot is completely ridiculous, and the reveal at the end of the movie negates almost 90% of the movie. Like, think about that. Like, yeah. that, okay, yeah. that doesn't, that's not even a scene anymore because of what the, end, the ending is. Uh, some of the stuff with Ruffalo, if you go back and watch it in the first movie, Knowing what we know now, with that perspective, like I was, I was interested in what my perspective would be knowing the ending, you know. And uh, how? Do, why does Ruffalo say the things he does? He doesn't play the character in a way like, like I know but you don't know kind of way, right. you know. Yeah, he it's, plays it's the not character, in there. Yeah, he plays the character like he doesn't even know he's in, he's involved in it, you know. <laughs> um, so none of that works on a second viewing, and uh, so I don't understand that, but. Um, this brought almost nothing about what makes magic great to the table here. Um, and I will say as a compliment to now you see me too, there is a sequence in now you see me too, that we do get some stuff that I thought we were going to get with the first one that I expected with the first one. Um, having said that, uh, the scene is ridiculous and I can't wait to talk about it. Oh, it's going to be great. But there's, there's no trick. Like a movie like focus came out two years mm -hmm. ago. Um, with Will Smith and that when, when that was announced and we saw the trailer and, you know, this pickpocket, you know, uses a sleight of hand and, and rips a lot of people off like that could be a fun movie. You know, somebody who has really taken the craft seriously and used it for completely wrong reasons. That could have been right. could have been a really fun premise for a movie It is a really fun premise for a movie focus. Not a great film. Um, there was almost none of that here. It, it was just this this movie is why I hate it so much and why I might consider it the worst movie of all time. It it is so offensive as a moviegoer. It treats the audience like they are so stupid that uh it makes me angry yeah. at the adult. It's almost like the studio is trying to trick everybody yes. by yes. to see yeah. this movie. It feels like this is the movie itself is the magic trick, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I totally people are agree. dumb enough to see this because the entire thing is a Hollywood illusion. You know, that makes sense. Um it's so frustrating. Um it's not to me it's not a a fun throwaway. It's a it's a swindling trick to get people <laughs> to get people who don't know any better's money and attention and hey you know how I know that? Because they've spun it off into a freaking trilogy, and they're going <laughs> to probably do more after that. You know what I'm saying? Like, this wasn't just a one-off fun little movie. Oh, it yeah. made a lot of money. This was They were in it for a franchise from the beginning. They announced the third one a year before the second one was even uh, announced or, or right. finished came filming. Out. Yeah. came out. So um, th it's so obvious what they're doing here to me, and I'm just so frustrated that the general public ha hasn't, felt that way. Maybe they have with the second one, but in a general sense, everybody's mm -hmm. still pretty positive about Now You See Me and yeah. uh, it going forward. This is, yeah. To me, this is as offensive as Twilight or something like that. <laughs> and not, not even that, because Twilight definitely has an audience, and, and I can understand yeah. why people would like Twilight, because it's young adult, and you grow up like that, and it reminds you of your 
youth or whatever, you know, there's right. a whole Growing up as a young adult novels are a totally different thing, but, uh, yeah. That's this is a, as big of a cash grab as that was, yeah. I think. You know, we so. obviously the... haven't read my young adult series based <laughs> Nexima Universe, but that's fine. I just want to email you any more chapters, Ken. Our fan fiction <laughs> is fantastic. Um, you know what? This the first this review because I was the same as you, Ken. I hadn't watched it since the theater, and so uh, this this rewatch it made me think that the studio said to uh, Mr. Ledier, we want. Ocean's Eleven with magicians. That's what we want. And then he gave them that. And that's not what it is at all because it's much closer to like the worst national treasure knockoff of all time. <laughs> like that kind of that level. Actually, what I said when we were watching it was it reminded me of the of the librarian yeah. franchise, those TNT movies. Oh with, god, uh, yes. Noah Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's what it comes across as. And so it kind of felt like to me, like the first one they said, Hey, uh, what we want is oceans 11 with magicians. And, and in, by the way, in hindsight, I, I'm, I totally respect what all of you guys said. I think magicians are the dumbest thing on the planet. Like right. I just don't, there's nothing I could pop. I could not care less about Copperfield or Blaine or any of those guys, like no disrespect to what they do. It's just, it, it interests me not at all, but what, what does kind of interest me is oceans 11 with magicians. Like that sounds like a decent premise. Louis Lettier turned in his his cut, and they're like, well, crap, this isn't anything close to what we said it is. Like, <laughs> I guess we'll just see what happens, and then they made all this money. Yeah. This second time yeah. around, I don't know if you're ready to transition into, into the second film, but it Not seemed like yet. what they said was, like, they went to John, John M. Chu and said, hey, we, we want Ocean's Eleven with magicians. Can you pull that off? And, you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, that's, that's kind of what yeah. I felt like yep. watching this, this, this go around was like, there's so many oceans 11 sort of vibes to it, except not any of the, not any of the positives. Like, it's just like it's a, just compl- like a soulless knockoff. Yeah. It's oceans 12. It's like the first draft of oceans 12 with magicians instead of Danny ocean and company. Uh, but that, what I would contend you know, well, would be very different in tone, though, because I agree with you completely. But, you know, the Ocean series, uh, for lack of a better term here, it was wrapped up in sort of a tone of cool. You know, like it was it was just a very cool movie. And right. like, whereas the first uh, Now You See Me is smug. So it's it's yeah, uh, I think you're cool. absolutely right in making the two comparisons. But I mean, I, I don't find smug terribly watchable, yeah. whereas what, I can what watch if we cool did all day long. Yeah. What if we did Ocean's Eleven with magicians, but all the characters are Scott Con? Can we pull that off? <laughs> yeah, that... everybody's unlikable. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like any of these guys. I want to do Gone in sixty seconds with mimes. <laughs> make that happen. Sure. All right. Gone, uh, right gone in yeah. sixty seconds. That's it... Jason's favorite movie. Gone in sixty seconds. Jordan is Jordan. Is that the name of the the email? The girl in the email. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, gone in sixty seconds is is my her. Now you see me. Where I will fully acknowledge to anybody, it's absolutely terrible. But for reasons I can't explain, I really enjoy watching it. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll say that about like uh, Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's yeah, a guilty that's a pleasure every classic. year. I, yeah. It's it's so bad, but you can't help but watch every single time when that ship is coming over yeah. the city and it's about to just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, very, very Welcome guilty to Earth, pleasure. Kent. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> um, it's just so ridiculous. And I, I, we could do the whole show on Now You See Me One again, but 
I just while we're on the topic, I want to just recap some of now you see more now you see me one because <laughs> telling you when you do a commentary track, the people sequence, will download yeah, it. Yeah, uh, we will eventually. It's just the logistics <laughs> of it is is way more complicated yeah, than anyone has considered. Uh, but the sequence, the second kind of like magic show. This is after they're already <laughs> wanted by the FBI again. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, uh, so they somehow book a magic show in New Orleans. Um, and again, treats the audience like they're stupid. Like nobody knows that to put on a magic show, you have to have like 500 crew members and everything. (laughs) So I don't understand. There's the logistics of all this is they just throw these impromptu shows wherever they want. Like they just come up with all these screens and all these effects. And I, I just, you know, like it. As as if that they're like X Men and that's their power is to come like, like make magic shows with their mind or something like that. You know what I mean? I like can render never... complicated three D graphics in ten seconds. Right. It, it never. Yeah. It, it's never explained how they're, well, they they didn't have the a eye, show. Dude. The eye does that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Uh-huh. No. Well, duh. Um, and so they. When they are have... we getting our eye tattoos? Is that is that still on? I I don't. I just don't know if these movies pass the eye test. I have the. Ah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I have a Four Horsemen logo already on, on my on my butt cheek. It's a it's a proud member of the Four Horsemen. But uh, th- that scene in New Orleans New Orleans is so so offensive because yeah. because of a the bubble that's the bubble we get the bubble. <laughs> B um, the scene where they're actually taking money away from Michael Caine and they're shining their lights on checks and the checks numbers are changing and then they shine a big giant spotlight that dave franco holds like a gun (laughs) and shoots it at a giant check on stage and then those numbers change and then people's bank accounts for some reason people have memorized their bank account numbers by the way uh the amounts their balances yeah ma'am stand up how much do you have in your account 562 (laughs) dollars like really you knew it to the dollar for 562 wow that's oddly specific but uh, i'm glad you know i closed the app on my phone and already don't remember how much money i have exactly exactly so um that whole thing just the you like i said you go from sleight of hand fun you know card trick magic to now it's like real like supernatural magic is being worked in there's no exp- like how right. do these numbers change how is any of this happening it's never explained it just happens it's cgi so we believe it and that is ridiculous and not only that but so that happens everyone realizes this guy has gotten his money stolen the cops are like all right let's get him like as if they weren't on stage the entire time doing a show and the four horsemen like grab a rope and the rope yeah. like pulls them to the ceiling. <laughs> now and let's then, just see where this is going. And then, yeah, the four, then all the cops run on stage and like run into each yeah. other. Like they're Those on a Keystone three Stoo- cops kind of thing. They're on there, a three yeah. stooges. Like uh, they're on like a, I don't, I don't even know a Charlie Chaplin mo- movie or something. It's so like bumbling, fumbling cops. Like it's so yeah. ugh, cliche and like, cringeworthy at the same time it's so that called, happens in the in the words of the frenchman who directed it it's called homage kent oh sorry <laughs> yeah it's called filmmaking i don't think that's an homage i think he really thinks that that uh, was well cool. you just referenced charlie chaplin so i think it worked i think it worked <laughs> okay the so they run outside to find the four horsemen they're running through the streets in new orleans and they stop and oh a girl flashes for no reason 
uh, keep running. <laughs> and then the Ruffalo tracks himself and this, the shaky cam and that. I mean, it is like, it's so bad that I almost like screamed out loud. It is so unwatchably bad, the shaky cam. And I'm yeah. surprised, Richard, in the theater, I didn't turn to you and say, dude, this is, I can't even watch this right now. I remember you you kind of put your head down a little bit and just stared straight <laughs> to the seat back in yes, front of you yes. for like a good two minutes. To get my eyes off it, yeah. <laughs> just the middle distance. Yep. You were having knob flashbacks. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. It's, uh, that, that stuck out the most to me was that sequence, um, that whole it's like 20 minutes of the movie right in the mm-hmm. right in the heart of it that's just oh my god oh gosh not to mention the carousel and everything that happens and the whole mm-hmm. reveals and everything uh now you see me one is a complete abomination it's it's <laughs> the one maybe the worst movie ever and so that that presets now you see me too um it's bad guys it's bad it's uh <laughs> It's not an improvement. Um, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's worse, but it's definitely not better. Um, I know it's worse. Okay, I can't wait to hear you, how you think it's worse than the first because the first is. It's you, you know you you can only go so low. You know what I mean. You can only go so, so much further than a rock bottom. You know this one um, does beat the first in just sheer amount. Of Woody Harrelson's, so you have to. <laughs> I can't believe again. I think, with the, I think yeah. we need to go spoilers. Just right oh, spoilers, spoilers. I, yes, yeah. Because I just I don't think we need to have any any holds barred on this one. Uh, spoilers, yes. So spoilers coming up for now. You see me one and two from here on out. Uh, anything goes. Okay, so Brian. <laughs> um, how is this worse? How is this so much worse? I can't wait to hear uh, the reason. Well, like I said, I you know you have to come at it from the perspective of I don't think that the first one is. I think the first one is a D to an F, not an F to a worst movie of all time sort of grade. So I didn't even mention any. Please Melanie take that into consideration. But, I didn't even you know. mention Melanie Laurent in the first one. That whole she, part. She doesn't know that she was in that movie. She There's doesn't no, know. She but... completely removed it from her. <laughs> How her, they forced uh, that plot line down our throats the entire yeah. time is just. Yeah. It. I'm glad they got away from that in this one. At least. Oh yeah, makes zero sense. Makes and, zero and sense. Doesn't uh, doesn't add anything to the like plot. No mention of her whatsoever. Even no. it's kind of. Yeah. It's as yeah, if she they, never existed. So yeah, absolutely. And no comment. Um, so sorry, yeah. comment. I think the biggest thing is that 
I don't think John M. Chu saw the first movie because I don't, this it doesn't uh, it doesn't build upon the solid foundation that the first illustrious film gave us. It doesn't seem like it's really even all that connected in some ways because my biggest problem with the first one beyond the major conceit of anyone cares about magicians to that level. Number one is number two that you, you kind of touched on it. Kent is that all these things are impossible to do unless you're an actual wizard. So if we are to take now you see me at face value, then at the very least, Mark Ruffalo and possibly Jesse Eisenberg and, and maybe the whole group, um, they are real wizards like Harry Potter kind of Gandalf wizards like they have real magic. They're not doing tricks because there's no explanation for how those tricks are done. And that's because there's no way to explain them. So if you are going to build upon that universe, you kind of have to go in with the knowledge of even if you're not going to come out and say all these people have magic, you at least have to play along with kind of a wink, wink. Uh, they have magic, magic, not just sleight of hand. And then in this film, film, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this movie, it like goes out of its way to try to bring in, well, it's science, not, not magic. Magic's not real. But it kind of is, and it definitely was in the last one. So, like, how <laughs> do we find the common ground here, guys? This doesn't work. You can't tell me that um, magic isn't real if uh, Mark Ruffalo can do all the things that Mark Ruffalo did in the first movie, and there's no that just doesn't exist anymore. Like, I I don't know. So it starts off horribly. The whole scene of Eisenberg like going to talk to the eye was just like an immediate <laughs> an immediate reminder of like, oh right, this is a terrible franchise and no one should be sitting here watching this movie. And especially you guys are so us. angry so fast. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I turned to Jason pretty quick. And I look I don't I don't talk during movies. I will only text or, or take <laughs> notes in a movie if I'm sitting on the back row and there's no one around me and my screen is like dark. You know, I'm very adamant about there's a proper etiquette for being in a theater and I'm serious about it. And I turned to Jason and I was just like, I'm going to talk as loud as I freaking want to because this is the worst. This is already the worst. And I've got to make notes about it. Like, this is just, it's so bad within three minutes. You're just, you're inundated with awful, awful filmmaking. Um, can anybody explain to me why John Chu gets to make movies at I was all? thinking that too, guys. This, I was reading up on him a little bit more. This guy won the Jack Nicholson Award at USC in his senior class for being best director, basically. Uh, okay. So this is like based, like the best they could, they could give us. Was I it guess. a special needs program or was I, it <laughs> it's named after his performance in one flew over the cookies nest or something? I don't know. It's uh, I, I looked up the actual, I was curious. I actually looked up and found like the official studio explanation for why they switched directors uh, to specifically go after him. And it was because they wanted to, they wanted to add a heavy element of practical magic, and they felt that uh, his ability to choreograph and direct dancing and high intense – like the intricacies of movement of the human body would set him apart in the ability to direct a film with this much practical magic. And that's the official reason why they, they wanted him. Oh, practical magic. See, wow. again, the illusion it continues. They want us yeah. to think that this they're actually doing tricks. Uh no, 
There's nothing practical here. Yeah, John M. Chu, speaking of worst movies of all time, um, has made among <laughs> the worst movies of all time. G.I. Joe Retaliation yeah. is horrible. Mm -hmm. um, that was among the worst movies I'd ever seen up to that point uh, until yeah. we got Draft Day and some others uh, <laughs> over the next the last couple of years. But uh, it's bad. And Jim and the Holograms could be the worst right. movie of all time. Um, yeah, maybe biggest the biggest flop, flop of all time. It is the biggest least, flop. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, at least uh, screen numbers wise. Yeah. It's it is the pretty... biggest flop of all time. As far as like take per theater, I think right. like it had an average of like $51 per theater. Like it's the, the lowest grossing, the lowest grossing film for whatever number of theaters it was in basically. Wow. Yeah. It's, and that was less great. than a year ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. But other that than was that, a side project well. while he was doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he gets to do the next one of these. If there is indeed a third one, he gets to, uh, he gets to continue on the legacy. Um, there's no, like, Louis Ledier, I think Louis Ledier probably is a guy who falls into the trap of thinking that his camera work is why people are coming to see a movie that he directs yep. instead of just, you know, Jesse Eisenberg or magicians or whatever reason you're coming to see the movie. It's not because two Louis Ledier is behind the film, you know, two woodies. And he is so, so cocky. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And I'm willing to even kind of, not give him a pass on that, but like, okay, at least there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. This is so poorly directed to me. And it, it, it starts from, again, from, from the first moment where it just really seems like, I don't think you saw the first movie. So I don't think you really even know what you're trying to build upon unless they're just going with straight up. Like, are you trying to pretend like the first one didn't happen? If that's the case, you did a horrible job of it because everything ties into the first movie for the first hour. Everything ties into what happened in the first film. And so you just go from there and then you just, to me, like I said, the first one, while not, I did not enjoy it. I can see why people can think it's fun. I don't think this one is fun at all. Like it's just the most fun scene in the movie is the card passing thing in the, the computer room. And that's the most nonsensical scene in the entire movie. And that is saying something. There is nothing about that scene that makes any sense from a narrative standpoint. It is solely there to show cool camera tricks of our favorite characters in the world passing a card back and forth in a room. Like it, it, it does not need to exist. There is zero reason for it to be there except for that. We want to show off their cool tricks, you know? And that's, yep. that to me is terrible, terrible filmmaking. And, uh, it, there's plenty of other examples, but that's the, that's the big one that jumps out. Narratively, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the acting is not, is worse than the first one. I think, I think, <laughs> I think that pretty much everybody here realizes they're on a sinking ship pretty early on. And it almost made me like Eisenberg more for a while. Cause there was a point in the film where it seemed like he kind of just totally checked out and I kind of respected him for it. And then he kind of, kind of swung back in a little bit. Um, the acting on all these for all of them is bad. And Woody Harrelson is one of my favorite actors. Like that's an original American treasure. And he is so bad in this movie in particular. He's doubly bad. Um, and <laughs> just, <laughs> uh, and, and it's just, it, it, it is, it is painful. It is painful to watch it. Brian, this one made me, if I we think, should revoke his AT status after he walked out. Of the I, group. 
it has to be considered at this point. He's an original American treasure. When Richard and I started the American treasures pre podcast, when it was just two idiots texting each other, he was one of the first four. And this kind of makes me regret that decision. It's it's which one do you regret more? This or Cosby? (laughs) Just like in atrocities to the world, which one? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not to joke about it's gotta be Cosby, but uh, you know, it's (laughs) on screen. (laughs) <laughs> this is worse, you know? I mean, screen-wise, this is... It's just... That... Ha- Kent... Or Richard and I were texting Kent, and that was supposed to not be uh, Harrelson, right? Like, that had to have been... They tried to get McConaughey or, or Owen Wilson or somebody like that to play Woody's double, and it just... I think it's like, hey, get- Woody was so bad in the first one. How can we still have Woody in this but not have him be this character? Uh, you know, like... <laughs> Because Woody Harrelson's so good, you want him in your movie. Like, how can we have two Woody Harrelsons? Who wouldn't want that, you know? Uh, and so he went for a completely different thing here. Doesn't work at all. It's maybe yeah. worse. It's like Zoolander two oh, level bad. Yeah, it uh, is. It's worse. Yeah, it, it goes yeah. right. It 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 could have been right out walked right off the set of Zoolander two. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The look of the character, the way the character acted, the way it was written. Um, there was no need for it. I don't, there's no mm-hmm. point in it being in there other than to show that what he can do to characters, you know, it, it has yeah. no bearing on the plot really. Um, I don't think, uh, yeah, like, maybe you could argue that, uh, Brian. No, or, I don't think so. I don't no. think it, no, has, it doesn't make you any could sense remove at all. Every scene with that in there and you would never know it was even trying mm-hmm. to be in there. Uh, that's bad. I, Woody is one of the more confusing characters because he's so unlikable in the first one. I don't know how anyone could mm-hmm. like or root for him to do anything good. Like I said, he ruins that person's that further, life in the first it, time. He's yeah. compl- all he's sexually harassing Isla Fisher for the entire length of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah. commenting on every, on our looks all the time. Like just blat- blatantly says, let's go have sex right now and stuff like that. It's just like, why are you, talking just stop and yeah. stop being so rude you know like there's nothing charming about him at all um no i totally and, and this is I like totally the agree, hero but... of our story i just don't yeah he's the roguish wild card guy are they is the brother character supposed to give us sympathy to him because he has a twin like now he has a family it like, doesn't you make know, any it doesn't, sense. and i what? think that that's the biggest thing there's nothing there's almost nothing in this entire movie that makes any sense from a narrative standpoint and that that's what frustrates me. That's where I get uh, Kent Garrison ticked off of like when every single bit is just a it's just really just a knockoff of something that you've seen in another movie that you liked or at best like, hey, we have some cool CGI and we can show off uh, this cool sequence that we this cool thing that we can do. Let's show off how we can do it. But it doesn't make any sense in the movie. Well, that doesn't really matter that that's when I start to get pretty frustrated and that i think that is every single plot point within within the film it's either a a a knockoff or a blatant ripoff of something else or it's completely nonsensical and and doesn't fit or both or both i mean both quite often Um, the the, you're you're completely right and there's just so many stupid things that when you think about make no sense in this movie like just the setups of scenes the actual scenes themselves, like the settings of the scenes, make no sense. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, the in the scene with the safe at the beginning, um, 
Morgan Freeman is a magic debunker reporter. Like, yeah. does that news station He's have, their, reporter. have yeah. a, a guy that just debunks magic? He goes out on to random magic shows and debunks people live on the news. Like, why is Morgan Freeman a reporter? I just didn't understand why no. that character had to be rep- like, couldn't you just cast a you know channel eight reporter guy and he's reporting you know what i mean like why was he don't because forget it that said it, in the yeah. lower third magic debunker like is that was that john m chu's way of it, telling the audience that this is the magic debunker yeah. guy that's you know? the first like, one too that's the first one too he he there was a thing in the 90s where there was a popular series on fox oh i understand that but why yeah. is why was he a sideline like, why is he right. reporting yeah. for news a news station? On a news, it's yeah. not like he's being well, interviewed on well, the news or something. Something that I know makes Brian angry with the fire of a thousand suns is that in the now you see me cinematic universe, uh, <laughs> the NY- magic SMCU. Yeah. Exactly. Apparently, the most exciting thing on the planet is magic. Because whenever right, yeah. there's a suggestion that there might be a horseman show, right. the streets of London fill. You know, like right. you can't yeah. move because they might be like, near the River Thames. Yeah. And like if John uh, Lennon came back from the dead and there were reports of him on, on yeah. uh, Twitter, he would not draw the crowd that, a, that, that Dave Franco draws. Yeah, like, like it's absurd atlas shows his face and it's like hey guys and all of a sudden it's like <laughs> it's gone viral and the world is exploding yeah. because the horsemen have been spotted again the long global nightmare of not knowing where the horsemen are for a year <laughs> is finally over it is it's funny though that sure. they're only ever recognized when it's convenient they're they're the biggest yes. stars in the yes. world yes. in the yeah. world no 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 band yeah. nor actor no Kardashian right. can touch their fame, right. yet they can walk around completely anonymously when when need be, whenever possible. Yeah, yeah. whenever they want to sneak into a highly secure place to steal a computer chip, nobody can recognize them. So, well, that's, as we know, that convenient. guy works for the eyes. So. He works for the eyes, so he recognized <laughs> them immediately. In fact, at the end, he very snarkily <laughs> says, "Oh, that's why I recognize." <sighs> yeah, exactly. Watch the movie, <sighs> Ryan. That Good um. Word. I'll, Jason, just general <laughs> thoughts on Now You See Me too. I guess. It's so bad. Uh, okay, so so I, I have something that I think might be interesting here that uh, I, I sort of discovered when I was poking around. Let, let me first, first time say, for everything. Cool. Yeah. Woo. Let me uh, first generally say I thought it was terrible. Like I thought it was really, really terrible. And like primarily my problems with the first movie um, was that it was so irresponsible. You know, it was, here's magic, but we're not going to explain it, but we're going to tell you that it's real magic, but maybe it's not real magic, but we're not going to give you it. And like the stuff with Ruffalo, like on rewatch, if you're watching the film again, there, there's nothing from Ruffalo to indicate that there even could be a twist. It's just, they changed it. So my problems with the first one was how irresponsible it was as a film, right? My biggest problem with uh, this movie is that it's just it's 
it's just bad. Uh, and, and I think it, it suffers in a lot of ways. And maybe one of the biggest ones is we just change genres. The first movie is an action comedy. Like it's a straight up action comedy and it's not a great one, but it's an action comedy and you can sort of define what it's trying to be, whether or not it succeeds. So then you come to the sequel of an action comedy and what did we all just watch? I think it was like a, a, a dramatic thriller, you know, is, yeah. is kind of mm-hmm. the best way I would describe it. So we, we've changed tone. We've changed completely the genre of the film. And I think that's one of the reasons that the acting was so much worse in this one because they've defined these characters in a smug action comedy universe and then they get thrown into the sequel and now all of a sudden it's a dramatic thriller. And uh, I don't know how you really put on a good performance in that. But a couple of things that I saw that was really interesting is I was watching this awful, awful interview uh, online of Franco, Eisenberg, and Chu. And uh, Chu? Yeah, that's right. Uh, And they were talking about the film. And at one point, Franco basically grabs the mic and asks the director, uh, now you had to cut an awful lot of comedy from this to get the tone, right? And it was very, very leading. And then he get into the explanation and reading between the lines and what he said and didn't say, uh, I think they they made this movie even worse in the editing because you get the impression that they have all these takes of all the actors being funny and all the actors uh, basically being the characters from the old movie and cutting up and improving and having all these comedies, uh, you know, comedic mm-hmm. moments and scenes. Mm-hmm. And it sounds mm-hmm. an awful like the like the director very intentionally cut all of the humor because the way Franco made it sound and the way the director sounded, every scene in the movie, he had to yell cut because the actors were improving and they would have just gone for 10 more minutes cutting up and being hilarious. And yet there's like two jokes in the entire movie. Like it's it's not a comedy. There's nothing funny in there. And then I think of things like uh, Woody Harrelson's character, the twin, which is absurd so why wasn't it funny? Why weren't there jokes? Why wasn't that yeah. humor? I think I think mm-hmm. the comedic relief is supposed to come from Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, but she's oh, so unlikable. Gosh. She's like yeah. she's like Cat Dennings from Thor two times ten yes. in this movie. Yes, and, and yeah. it's so 100%. hard to watch yes. her character, and it's and almost none of her jokes land. Like I think they kind of thought, well, she's kind of doing funny stuff, so she'll be the comedy, and everything else can be dead serious. Uh, yeah. They don't even really attempt uh, merit character, uh, Harrelson's character. Um, they don't really attempt that character that they build in the first one of that pervert, like really big a hole type of guy. You yeah, know? he's just kind of he kind of yeah, has doesn't a take few... a swing at Lizzie Kaplan at all. No, it's no, weird. and he <laughs> it's really weird to see him not sexually harassing people in this universe. <laughs> uh, and then the only other thing I want to add to the general thoughts, yeah. uh, and this is fascinating to me, uh, according to the interviews, what I'm seeing is most of the film, according to all the filmmakers, most of the magic in the sequel is practical. Like, I, I know they're doing tricks with the camera. I know they're CG augmentation, but according to everything I can see... For instance, when we're introduced to Lizzie Kaplan and they do that weird beheading thing, yeah. apparently that was a completely practical magic stunt. I think that looks so dumb. Well, that it, was supposed it, to look dumb, though, right? 
Because it I, was like her homemade magic trick. Well, I thought that's, that's what, the thing. I it think, didn't trick me at all. I was like, why is there a dummy and a head falling on the, you know what I, I mean? Like, yeah, I think they completely hosed themselves yeah. because that was practical. And apparently yeah. the the uh, card passing scene, which we are just not done talking about, the uh, the card passing scene <laughs> was practical. Like the slide of the hand and throwing of the cards and catching of the cards, that was practical. But the problem is the first movie is all CG and terrible. So I don't think mm-hmm. any of us believed that any of the magic being done in the second movie was practical. If in it first was watch. real, you wouldn't believe it because yeah, the one so, person was so unbelievable. Yeah. And so what's the point? Yeah, right, and, yeah. and I think in a lot of ways, this whole movie yeah. was shoehorned into these long sequences. Now that I've thought about it in, in, in with this as the backdrop, these long sequences, because apparently the, the rain trick is a practical trick that many magicians know how to do, like when he stops the rain. Uh, the whole thing with the cards was practical, like the living cards, uh, three-card money thing that Dave Franco does was practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they shoehorned a plot around, let's have these practical magic sequences, but the first movie was so ludicrous, none of us have any reason to believe in them, so they just come off right. as bland and pointless and awful Yeah, and assume yeah. they're CGI. So I think – Right, and they're hokey. Like yeah. everything that they did is like very – it's. I mean, again, I, the first movie is bad, but at least it was uh, visually entertaining when you, when you're not dizzy from the spinning camera, you know. And so, to go from that to this, where it's just like a duck, a duck, a duck, a duck, you know, like a dove's coming out of my shirt, like no, it was such a weird. Even if it is practical, practical or not, it doesn't matter. It seems like, but in the last eighteen months, when they've been members of the Eye and well, should be really like think. developing their Jedi powers, yeah. instead they're just like they get worse as magicians. So yeah, now that you have passed into real magic, we will teach you how to summon a dove from your coat. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 I didn't. I didn't get that. Um, it's- I, guess, I, I guess we aren't. Uh, we definitely aren't done talking about the card passing <laughs> scene because I want to talk about it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a to film, so you know. It honestly, oh. um, when it started, uh, when I first kind of saw what they were going to do, I got excited. Uh, when Dave Franco starts to do the, you know, hiding the card thing, I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, this is what I wanted to see, and now you see me. What I, this is what I pictured when I heard Heist Magician, you know, like getting away from security, using sleight of hand, things like that. Um, and this this whole sequence of them in the casino and and uh, you know infiltrating the, uh, the safe or the uh, highly secure area is uh, is so out of Ocean's Eleven. They just basically said, "Let's do an Ocean's Eleven sequence where everybody has a different job." You know, everybody in the Horsemen has a different job. Like Lizzie Kaplan's job apparently is to cut her own arm off. And like run around like, yeah. how is that what they landed on? Okay, you're going to go over here and you're going <laughs> to pretend like yeah. you cut your arm off while you're and, – and that's another example of like, okay, if this doesn't happen, no, the plot can't move forward. Like if that other employee doesn't walk over and like get upset and then she gets upset at him, you know, and, and then fakes to cut her arm, the plot can't move forward. Uh, it's so convenient mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah. that that happened at that moment. Um, and there's another one – in this movie where Daniel Radcliffe reveals to Jesse Eisenberg, how he got his information or his location. And he says, you know, when you were in the eye headquarters and you set your cell phone down on that little rock, that's how I stole your information. Like had Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> not walked in there and 
conveniently set his iPhone right. randomly yeah. down. What if he puts rock. it in his pocket? Exactly. What happens then? Nothing. We don't have a movie at that point, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what if he's talking on Bluetooth and it never comes out of his pocket? It's, it's right. so ridiculous that leap we have to make. But um, in this card sequence, when it started, I was like, okay, this is fun. Um, Dave Franco's doing this trick. Maybe that's his character's, you know, what he can bring to the table is sleight of hand. We hadn't really seen much in the first movie. Maybe that's his thing. Yeah, I'm Until, not sure that that card passing sequence wasn't put in the movie just so that Dave's Franco's character had a point in being in right. the movie whatsoever. Right. No, well, I think the yeah. the other scene up to, up to that point, all he had done is defend Mark Ruffalo's character. Like every well, big piece of dialogue he had including was, the well, first that's not what Dylan told us to do. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the only the other scene. The putty scene, though, he had in the yeah. first one, and the deleted scene was good, right, Brian? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. We, the the scene, the uh, only other one we have of him is him and Merrick uh, throwing cards at a car. Yeah. Like that set, like just that, that's what I mean. Like the settings of scenes, like who just like stands around in an alley throwing cards at a car? It just didn't make any sense to me. $90 million uh, Magicians, budget. bro. <laughs> magicians do that, apparently. If you want to find them, they'll be in the alley with the cars. <laughs> uh, that made no sense. So Dave Franco starts to do that. I'm like, okay, this is fun. This might, you know, develop his character a little more, and it's kind of a fun way to get, you know, from point A to point B. And then he throws the card to the next person. And okay, and then that person throws it, and then that person throws it, and then they're just throwing it around the room for five minutes. And uh, it defeats the entire purpose of hiding the card you know yeah. like right. if they Frank throwing it into harm's way like right. he's about like, to search you take the card is like well i'm clear here we go yeah like yeah. no you were done dave if you would have just held on exactly. to it they'd probably get out of there without any problem but he passes it directly into this into the defense essentially like <laughs> it's like they're showing off for no way. reason for no, for no logistical yeah. reason of Dave Franco, yeah, like I said, could have just held the card and be like, all right, you're queer, and just, <laughs> you know, and then, and then walked away. Like, guys, I got the card or whatever. Um, ag yeah. Again, a lot, you know, missed opportunity. Could have been a fun sequence. Uh, it was a fun sequence, actually, but for the wrong reasons. Uh, yeah. made, as soon as, like, the third person got it, I was like, okay, this – there, the, if the if the point of this scene is to escape these security guards, they're not doing a very good job of it, and they're they're not using their heads at all. Like um, that really offended me a bit. But that whole sequence, like with Eisenberg switching costumes, and then he pulls out a sushi chef thing down a hallway, but sees nobody else. Like that was weird too. Like he changes <laughs> into the sushi outfit, and there's no other person in the hallway, and then he walks through a door, and then changes into something else. Like, why did you put on the yeah. sushi thing if nobody was in there? You know, I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make sense. Like, at least have like two There's... people, four people walk by yeah. and other sushi-related <laughs> right. stuff. Like, right. I guess the budget, they couldn't yeah. get a couple of more extras for that moment. But <laughs> they had to do it all in one take. There's so many, right. There's so many moments like that that... <laughs> There's no way for the person to know what was happening unless they had read the script for what was happening, you know? And so they, like, at some point, uh, when uh, Ruffalo gets gets uh, taken in the safe by in Radcliffe, which we've got to talk <laughs> about, unfortunately, and he gets put in the safe and gets hauled off, and, and the horsemen see it. And Woody Harrelson goes, that's Lionel Shrike's safe. Like, 
How do you know that's Lionel Shrike's? If you haven't, who do are we supposed to all know who Lionel Shrike is? And and even if you like, you're you're a hundred yards away, and it's just a safe. Like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. And when Lizzie Kaplan comes on stage for the first show at the fake Apple convention thing, is so we're led to believe <laughs> we're led to believe that the the Horsemen are the most famed people in the world. Like they have. 40 million Twitter followers. And Mm -hmm. if they just show their faces, um, women just start taking their pants off. Like it's just a, you know, there's nothing, anything close to the horseman. She walks out on stage and starts talking and everybody's just like, yep, that's one of the horsemen. Like there's no, (laughs) that's the one place in this whole stupid universe that is so wrought with over exposition and over explanation where maybe she should say, Hey, I replaced the other girl, and here's why this guy's bad. Like, there's no, no everybody's just like, oh, yep, that's the other horseman. Like, yeah. I, I just, I was and cringing. it's so offensive because Isla Fisher, I think she said, you know, use her or got pregnant as an excuse not to do this, I think. Oh, my gosh, but, uh, yes. Hated <laughs> the first one, didn't want to come back, you know, like that. Scene. I don't know about that. She with, worked with Letty again. I don't know. I know that Sasha Baron Cohen worked with him on that well, she's Brothers Grimm's Grimsby Grimm's Brothers oh, Grimm's in that too. Yeah, she's in that. She's the romantic. <laughs> so she chose to stick with. The, I have the, heard stories uh, about that tank scene, like her like threatening to walk off set multiple times during that. Maybe she's gotten over it, but um, that's how it was at the time. When anyway, I almost die, I forget about it quickly. Yeah, she. Yeah. Anyway, she she doesn't do this. To be fair, at <laughs> your age, that's almost a daily. And so... It's coming. I mean, it's just coming. That could just be getting in the bathtub. Yeah. And so Cap Kaplan, they feel like, okay, well, we have to replace her because we have to have a girl in the Horseman. You know, right, we gotta like have that, a fourth. We gotta yeah. have a fourth, and gotta they, beat she, the girl. She literally says in the movie, uh-huh. "I'm the girl Horseman." Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what she says. Like, oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah they can't what did you think of her uh mm-hmm. initial dialogue you know her whole little paragraph and a half of and uh what what what's Isla fisher's character name starts with the k doesn't it i don't even remember anyway uh her uh, yeah no Isla Fisher, like her whole little first paragraph of, hi, I'm here because you're really famous. And I know for a fact yeah, that Isla yeah. Fisher had to leave. So I'm here to join you guys now that you've taken a year off and gone into training. And as if anyone hasn't gone up to the streets and wanted to join the Four Horsemen before, like there was no audition, really. It was, <laughs> yeah. oh, you want to join? Right. Oh, okay. she pulled the in. hat out of the rabbit, kid. Uh, so. She did. That was, that, eight that was eight years ago. Oh, you're Richard. right. My fault. You're she's, right. That, she's that magic girl on YouTube. I forgot. Um, I, I, we don't even need her or bring us somebody who can offer no. us something. Yeah. Um, I get yeah. what they were trying to do. Have the girl, have the comic relief, do that whole thing. You know, Isla Fisher was horrible in the first movie. She's bad. And, uh, I don't know what was wrong with her voice in that movie. You know, I go back and watch it like her. Em- emphasis on the dialogue is so yeah. weird and like sure. jarring that it almost ruins the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm surprised they didn't have her go yeah. in and read record almost. the audio because it's that bad. It's like Jake Lloyd level. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, <laughs> we know you're reading a script. Uh, it's bad. Are you an angel? Yeah. Uh, so that's, <sighs> that's, that's, so I don't even know why they replaced her, but to replace her and then literally say, I'm the girl horseman. 
like we're only like the only reason I'm even in this is because we need a girl horseman is offensive. And like you don't have to say that. Like we know it, but don't just come out right out and say it. You make it a little too easy to criticize, I guess. And the whole C- CIA right. thing, how they had pictures of the pigeons, and like Ugh, how they have pictures. I forgot about that. How they have pictures of Merritt and, and Eisenberg everywhere. Like, why don't you just go arrest them if you're just taking pictures of them everywhere and they're wanted? And every- I just never understand the the yeah. law enforcement's refusal to to walk up to these people and arrest the them. For- man, you can't even cuff them. Well, <laughs> you saw that earlier. Yeah, it's, 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 one, it's, one, it's true. It's true. It's one thing if you're doing surveillance. It's another if you're actively searching for notorious criminals that you just can't find. But we do have all these pictures, just just in case. And the um, and the pigeons. I thought that, that was one of the them. biggest yeah. issues. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest issues. Is uh, in the first movie, what we're led to believe is that Ruffalo is obviously the mastermind behind everything behind the scenes, but he has to play dumb for the, uh, for the FBI, I guess, or for his investigation, he has to kind of play dumb so that he doesn't give himself away. So that he doesn't actually catch them. And unbelievable and nothing about it. Right. Right. But at least, you know, kind of in a, in a, in the, the broad. Okay. That makes sense. In this movie, it kind of seems like he's just an idiot on every level. Like he's a, he's not a good FBI agent for a reason perhaps, but he's also not a good wizard and magic (laughs) user and member of the eye. So it's, he's like bad at everything and very incompetent. I feel like at pretty much everything that he does. So that's good. Yeah. Another offensive part of this movie is the putting it in China for 90% of it. Um, it's such a cash grab. It's such an obvious one. Yeah. They, apparently um, they needed it after the box office domestically was not great. Warcraft, Warcraft made more money than this. I guess so, but it's just such an yeah. obvious thing to do. Not not obvious uh, to most people, most it moviegoers. Is. It's obvious. It's yeah. obvious like, yeah. oh, 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 I know why they're in China the entire time. Oh, I know why there's yeah. a Chinese actor in this. I know why there's multiple Chinese actors in this and they're speaking Chinese uh, because, you know, Makes subtitling a lot easier uh, when you put it in China, and uh, makes cutting mm-hmm. a trailer a right. lot easier when you have a ton of footage in China uh, for the Chinese audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of understand why they do that. They probably get a tax break to shoot in Hong Kong or whatever uh, they do. Um, but Macau. it's just like the to, Chinese Las Vegas, as yeah, they tell you three yeah. times. It's ridiculous. It's there. Um, we got it. So Chinese Vegas, awesome. It it's. To go to that level with this franchise at this point already is like Transformers didn't even yeah. do that until what the fourth or fifth one, fourth, fourth one movie, I think. Yeah, they did that yeah. whole China sequence and, and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just they're so confident with this franchise, <laughs> man. They think they really think this is the best franchise. Uh, the <laughs> Summit Pictures thinks I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, they're like you said, Letty A was so confident that everyone wants to see his camera work that I'm going to spin the camera for four or two minutes straight, like no exaggeration, yeah. two minutes and it's not going to yeah. stop. Um, this, uh, this is almost to that level with, uh, mm-hmm. with just blatant, uh, cliches over and over and over again. <laughs> um, right. But <laughs> the, the hacking, the present, like you said, the fake Apple presentation, like how the four horse again, 
these types of things require logistics and people to execute them. Right. I don't understand how they can just right. hijack a presentation of a company like they did. And then they get hijacked. The The hijack gets hijacked by a disembodied <laughs> voice, robot voice thing. And that's right. just like flashbacks to man of steel, uh, when that happened and that was bad. Um, Daniel Radcliffe's character, um, <laughs> don't know what to think guys. What it was obvious that he was on the side of, uh, Michael Caine. I was just waiting for Michael Caine to show right. this whole movie or, or be the big reveal right. at the end. Like he was behind, you know, the second one. Oh, remember this guy, you know, kind of thing. Um, so it was obvious for me. What did y'all think of, of Radcliffe? Uh, <laughs> masterful. <laughs> I'll give. I didn't. I didn't give my uh, take though. I'll, let me give my general thoughts though. Um, this movie was, yeah, was was idiotic and just as idiotic and uh, pointless and vapid and hollow and uh, simple and pandering as the first one, if not more. And I loved every second of it. It was great. Uh, <laughs> It was just the most fun I've had all year in the theater. I laughed so hard. I could not wait for you guys. Could not wait <laughs> for you guys to see Woody number two. I was giddy for like a day until you guys saw it. Because <laughs> I even texted you guys. I was like, in the Chinese restaurant, first act, you're going to get introduced to a character. Kent, I got to know. What was your reaction when Woody two? Well, yeah, well, you said you'll never guess the cameo or something. And so the character. Oh, I thought it was cameo. So I was waiting for a cameo. So when Woody two showed up, I'm like, well, if this isn't it, who else is showing up? You know, <laughs> and when I realized that was it, I was like, Oh my goodness. I, I couldn't believe that they stooped to that, that level. I could tell within eight seconds that this is a character that I didn't want any more of the rest of the movie, but we got a lot of like, why are his teeth like so white? I don't understand why he had such white he teeth. Looked, he so looked like Donald Trump. Like, yeah. so orange. It was weird. <laughs> it was very weird. You didn't like it when he kept calling him Mayor Bear? I thought that was, uh, that was touching. I yeah? did not. No? No, it was terrible. Is it better, better or worse than the first one? How, what's your scale on it uh, and why? Um, I would say if the first is... Gosh, I wouldn't say the first is the best movie of its year because her came out that year. What is the books? No, it's the uh, first one's awful. This one's truly, truly bad. This one's probably worse um, just because it's so, you know, it, it suffers from sequelitis really badly. And that's really amplified when the original movie is, is not deserving of a sequel whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Um, it's always yes. a good measure of whether you should make a sequel or not. Was the first movie good enough to warrant a sequel? No, eh, maybe not. That's that's a good starting point. I would love to know if there was any demand, like a single demand. <laughs> yeah, I understand people liking the movie. I can get that. I get the right. kind of appeal of it on some sensory basis. But I can't imagine being like, that was awesome, emailing the studio. Or just like, you know, production heads at a dinner party. And they're like, oh, what is some? Oh, you're at Summit. What are some recent movie you guys you guys have done? Ah, oh, we just did this movie last summer called Now You See Me. Oh my god. <laughs> you guys, you have to do another one of those. We saw that, honey. Did we see that three times? We saw that three times and you have yeah. to do it. Like that conversation never happened once. And so it's uh it's weird that they did this. Um, uh, but money talks. 
But this hasn't done exceedingly well at the box wow. office, so which is good. Good for it's like uh America has room to either love now you see me or love Trump, but like we can't at least we're not insane enough to do both. <laughs> right. Um and so uh that that that's that's good news going forward. But it's really it's the the villain is Radcliffe is so unhinged, um, and it's so convoluted his like relationship. You really have to think like like if you're gonna make this movie and you're gonna make a dumb dumb magician heist movie for the simple commonest denominator of all audiences, let's try not to make overly convoluted villain stories where it's like well. He wants to control his part, his old company with his old college bro, but he wants to do it from the grave because obviously he can control through shadow organizations and trust. I mean, that's and also he thinks of this Michael Caine figure as a father figure. It's not really his father; it's more of a adopted sort of protege type yeah. thing. However, they might actually be father and son. It's unclear. Like, okay, why are you asking me to think this much for a now you see me movie relationship wise? It's it's bizarre. You're absolutely right. It takes itself way too seriously. It suffers like a lot of sequels do and just too many characters. I think, uh, they bring in Radcliffe, but they also bring in Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, but they also want us to follow the old characters. Um, yeah. too many villains, uh, their roles and their motivations are unclear. We're confused. We still have to follow Morgan Freeman. We don't know if he's a villain or if he's good really, or, you know, we get to I, that. We, we better get to that. Um, yeah. What do you, uh, what's y'all's opinion on it? Okay, the Freeman thing is is maddening to me because as much as I hated the okay, so the irresponsibility of the first film, you can't watch it again and see any connection that Ruffalo has to the end because it's just not there. They're not they're not playing a double game. It's like they didn't give him the last page of the script and they told him you're the bad guy, you know. So it's just not there. The Morgan Freeman deal, where at the end of Now You See Me Two. He says, by the way, in the first movie, I wasn't actually the bad guy. I knew what you were doing the whole time. Yeah. Is I, I mean, it's smash your head through a mirror awful. <laughs> like I, I, I don't have words for how I mean irresponsible is like the 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 most adult word I can use to describe that because it's 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 awful. It's it's all it's it's beyond cinematic sin. It's like a it's a it's an incredible slap in the face to any viewer because you're invalidating the entire first movie because so much of the first movie is this is a long con this is a long plot of Mark Ruffalo to get back at the guy who in who to get back at everyone who kind of contributed to his father's death like that's the that's the conceit of the first film that that is Ruffalo's plan and then you get to the second movie and in so many ways we deconstruct that like we make him less powerful we take a less powerful i mean like um he's a terrible fbi agent he's a terrible magician he's a terrible leader of the horsemen he's also just kind of dumb also that french girl apparently (laughs) totally left him and then by the way your long con wasn't a long con you're just a little kid in the classroom and you didn't even realize that your long con was against maybe the head of the eye no, yeah so uh, you know your long con was actually against a good guy and he totally just let you have it 
Like it's yeah. like the most character demasculating plot development of any movie maybe in the history of time. <laughs> yep. Like it, it, it so completely invalidates every – and not that the first one was even good. But like yeah. it, it, it's it's just a complete erase of what <laughs> happened Excuse by me. having uh, more, uh, having Morgan Freeman not be the bad guy and – so same dinner party oh. it was like, I love the movie, but why did you make Morgan Freeman bad? bad? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We wanted to come around we again. It. So it's like, you remember how at the end of the pirate, by the end of the pirates of the Caribbean movie, every movie, every character that ever appeared on screen was a pirate by the end <laughs> of the, the first four films. It's like, yeah. Oh, you were in the first movie. Well, you'll be back by the fourth one and you'll be a pirate. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like we're we're slowly converting. Like by the end, Michael Caine's going to somehow be a good guy, and so is Daniel Radcliffe, right. and we're going to turn out that every character who ever appeared on screen was a part of this giant long con that somehow involved the eye, and we're going to discover that the French girl was actually in charge the whole time. Like that 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 right. that's yeah. what we're it's well, more and it's, it's more that they oh well now you see me one had a twist now you see me yeah. two needs oh, to totally. have a twist totally. like that yeah. was more I think it's more of let's just make something up. And it, it yeah. didn't matter if it, it was to be. It was. I want to think that they're all involved in a, a huge long con solely on that one police officer that's kind of a dick. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just all they're just trying to get him. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. There's just one. I think really, it's long really con against really the movie industry, and it's M Knight is in charge of this whole thing. We're going to find <laughs> out in a couple of years. M Knight is the secret, C, the secret CEO of of OVI. Summit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the the thing is, too, like you're kind of burying the lead almost like he so Morgan Freeman is the the leader of the eye. And uh, you know what? Mark Ruffalo, for all of his magical powers in the first film, he's just not ready to lead. I'm going to spend 18 months in prison. That I'm willing to do that. Like that's just the most ridiculous but, thing of the I'm whole, a young man. Whole, I can do that. All the absurdities. He's just like I'll, I'll hang out in prison for 18 months. That's fine. He's just not ready. I'll give him time. I was his fr- his dad's best friend. So you know that's the least I can do for him. You know, I, come on. To be fair, that prison seemed pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and like this is true. I'm in a hotel right now. It's not as nice as that cell. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep, he had his all his furniture in there and computer, printer, coffee yeah, yeah, he had a printer. Who, <laughs> who Files on everybody. <laughs> I've I've just printed it out on my printer. He said something like that. Like, really? It's, it's an odd one. It also faxes and scans. An oddly <laughs> random thing to request at a prison. I need my printer so I can print my, it was like my documents. Super low. Yeah, he had like I, I don't know why so many people in these movies and X Men Days of Future Past Reminded me of this on a rewatch a couple weeks ago. Why does everybody have such organized files in movies? Like <laughs> everyone's like, okay, I'm gonna go to this filing cabinet. Everything's gonna be perfectly organized, and he's gonna have all the information I will need in perfect document form there for me to consume <laughs> and for the camera to conveniently pan down to. You know, like can we do away with that that cliche of the opening right. the file cabinet, pulling out the file, revealing somebody's past through Documents you're I, uh, not supposed to be looking at. I hate that. I, I have a dossier of that. each of you. <laughs> and then also, I have a file that just tracks um, every file scene in movies. That I can access. <laughs> that's, that's a good file. It's all, it's all an index card. File scenes. Yes. That's what it says. Yeah. <laughs> all right. 
yeah, color coordinated index cards. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this movie was bad in almost in almost every way, fellas. Um, almost it. Yeah. It it hurt me in every way. <laughs> um, I don't know if it lost me as fast as the first one did because I was just trying to figure out what they were going for with this. I couldn't figure yeah. out what they were doing here. Uh, the first one within eight seconds, I was out. And once you're out, you're out. Um, but this one, I was like, are they trying to redeem themselves or is this, mm-hmm. are they just trying to make something as good as the first one? I couldn't, I couldn't tell. And I think you're right. I think, they kind of gave John M. Chu the reins to this and said, we want Ocean's Eleven. Give us your best version of that. And they got it in that one scene, and the rest is John M. Chu stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, what you could... I don't know why they... Why do you hire bad directors expecting a good uh, movie? I don't understand that logic. That's a great question. I, I'll why never understand Why does the NFL that? keep hiring coaches that were terrible and expecting them to turn around a team? I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Um, yeah, they're not good, but they uh, somehow get work. Well, do we have any other thoughts? Any other scenes that stuck out? I don't know, I, but you just, just very creepily decide uh, described my podcast career. Um, <laughs> no, it was uh, guys. It was just everything we could have ever wanted. I mean, yeah. for years yeah, of build perfect. up, it didn't let us down. We have to say that at yeah. all. The rain sequence is so ridiculous mm-hmm. and it's so laugh- laughably ridiculous. Uh, I don't care if it's practical. <laughs> no one would believe it was. I agree. It's such a, such a leap of logic. And for them to have a, another magic show in London and then announce it and do that whole, like quit announcing your magic shows. Just do them private. Dude. Like, you know what I mean? You're just asking the, I don't know why the law enforcement is so oblivious to, They've announced they're going to be at this place at this time, and they can't seem to wrangle the four horsemen. It is yeah. like you, the most. It's a could, it's offensive. I'm glad I'm not a cop because this would offend yeah. me on that level. Yeah. Did you <laughs> guys happen to catch in that sequence when they the the YouTube video is out there? Um, there's like I think it was a CNN dot com headline on a <laughs> on a desktop that that gets rolled across in some newsroom, and it says. Uh, Four horsemen appear in London, comma, world holds its breath. (laughs) The entire world is just waiting. It it panned away before that finished, though, Brian. It said, world holds its breath, hoping to die. (laughs) (laughs) It does does pan away before that. Uh, One last little plot detail. I'd love to hear what you guys thought about the final magic trick in that the the whole deal with the plane being on the boat isn't actually even a magic trick for anybody watching it right. they were just it's a con yeah conning two guys and there's no magic involved and right. we're ignoring how but much at least there were the 10 million people made. on the bridge yeah to watch it yeah so uh, that's the brian mentioned that at the very end of the movie when we were walking out about how it wasn't even a magic trick and like that, I think more than anything is stuck with me that the 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 final trick of this movie about magic isn't a magic trick. Yeah. yeah. Well, flight is yeah. kind of the ultimate it, magic trick. We think about it. Right? <laughs> I think he's supposed to leave on it on an existential note like that. Yeah, just kind of yeah. a kind of ones makes you think at the end. <laughs> Maybe it was a trick, man. 
<laughs> no, like I said, the trick is this movie. The trick is this franchise. Yeah. The trick is that uh, we've conned you into seeing this. Um, it's. I can't believe they're making another one. I I don't believe they're making another one until. I don't know happens. if they will. To be honest, unless China not... just goes yes. and in droves. Yes. Well, this movie only, only made. made... It made Good. like twenty something million the first weekend. Here, yeah, last twenty four, I think. Uh, it made like it made like twenty nine. Now you see me one, so it's not right. that far behind the first one. But, but the first, the the overseas, first one made up. over three hundred million dollars yeah. overseas, right. or, or uh, total um, when you count on the worldwide. This will make right. This will make two hundred easy. Uh, well, if but right now that's bad. Now I don't know what market it hasn't opened in. It hasn't opened. Like, it's yet. only made twenty three million uh, yeah, nothing overseas so far. So that's okay. Well, that'll be the thing because if it this is a ninety million dollar budget, so figure it breaks even at best at like one fifty, one sixty when all things are considered. Um, that's it's got a tough road ahead of it to get there unless. Unless China just goes Warcraft on it and just buys it in ridiculous. What, why, how has Warcraft done? I forgot that that was out until I went and saw Horrible this. Horrible here, but it like destroyed it's, all records in China. It's made like 150 million in China. Down, yeah, it's going to pass. It's it's in range to pass uh, Fast Seven as the highest grossing Hollywood film ever in China. Good grief! Yeah, it's made 280 so, over there, dude. Oh my god! 91 percent of its 91. Oh my god. Uh, and actually, twenty six million is pretty high for over here. I think for what how bad that looked. Yeah, yeah. How everyone think past Warcraft too, right? I think it's gonna make six million next year, next week. You know, like it's gonna drop so bad here. But gosh, I'm I don't think I've ever seen a movie, a, a domestic release here that scores that high, that high, that much of its gross comes from overseas. That's that's insane. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! I know. Wow. Wow, ninety two hundred and eighty million dollars overseas in opening week. That's crazy. That's awesome. Wow, wow. Uh, did you see it? Nobody saw it. I was trying to make it to it just for the sake of being able to say I saw two horrible movies this this uh, week, but I couldn't make it work. I may I may try next week um, just to try to round out gotcha. the bottom of the list and to see where it went wrong because I love Duncan Jones, uh, the director of Warcraft, one of my favorite directors, and I. I can't, I really can't imagine that that's a good movie, and I want to see what happens. Well, good news for him, you know, he may take a little bit of an artistic hit, but he's still a talented guy, and he just made so much money. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a win-win-win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think that's all I have on Now You See Me Too at this moment. I'm extremely frustrated. I just saw this today again. I'm kind of fuming, so it might take me <laughs> another two years, me. three years to actually process this. Hey, just um, in time to do a rewatch for uh, part number three. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know I'll be revisiting it. I know we'll discuss this again. Uh, this is, yeah. again, oh, yeah. something something that's uh, become a motto of our show, a trademark of our show, I guess. Ironically, again, is that <laughs> we're that show that hates Now You See Me. Um, and it's weird that we're known for that because, again, <laughs> I never wanted this to even be mentioned on the show once. Um, but here we are. And no, but thank you for all the fun Seriously. tweets and fun. Oh my gosh, I don't yeah. think anything, literally anything that's been now you see me related in the past two three years has been sent to us. Uh, anytime someone sees a poster or sees a mm-hmm. flyer or 
you know, uh, somebody's friend likes it or, you know, we get a tweet <laughs> yeah. about it, you know, and we really, really like those. And, and we usually respond with a fun fact about the eye that you didn't know before. So keep, <laughs> keep sending us those. We love playing along with it. And, uh, we're just, we we'll did this whole show. We should say now, um, you know, we're all in carousels. Yeah. Right. The carousel yeah. still never explained. Uh, that's yeah. the biggest mystery that's, of this all. How's right. How was he able to jump on the carousel backwards like he was? <laughs> so impressive. What was, my favorite was the one with the girl that said that uh, all of her friends like now you see me and she wanted new friends. That was my favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my favorite one so far. So Godspeed to you. And uh, yeah, but now you have another movie to talk about with your friends. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, time for grades, guys, then, I guess. <laughs> I think you can guess the trademarked now trademark went through guys trademark Kit Garrison <laughs> F minus 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 uh, that's my grade Brian I uh, can't let me know what the royalty is and I'll I'll send over okay. a Venmo you're not going to gonna be able to afford uh, it you're not going to be able to that's fine it. it's it's worth it okay. uh, F minus 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 <laughs> wow wow second worst movie I think I've seen this year so that's you know that's what you want the second worst thing. what's the worst Batman v Superman. Let's, oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. Wow. Let's never it. forget that, guys. Never. I conveniently forgot it. I, I actually <laughs> did a, a lot of mental work to get that out of my brain. Uh, hey, Richard, Brian, uh, I'm going to give it an F, just an F minus. I didn't hate it as much as you guys, but uh, <laughs> Brian, Jupiter Ascending or Batman v Superman? Um, I think Jupiter Ascending is worse, but I think Batman v Superman is more offensive about that like it's there should yeah. it should be impossible to make batman versus superman a bad movie and Zack snyder pulled it off with Flair. and yet he did it yes yes congratulations jupiter ascending is more of the how in the world did this get made sort of film i guess yeah i think uh, jupiter ascending is the worst movie i've ever seen that's what i've been telling when people ask me now that's my kind of stock answer is jupiter ascending all right jason what's your grade uh I forgot to mention that I'm pretty pretty sure that in that weird bar scene, Woody's twin just magically appears <laughs> in the scene and starts talking to in the magic shop. Yeah, Woody Harrelson in the magic shop. He's not there with them when they walk in, and then all of a sudden, Woody Harrelson turns and he's just talking to his twin. For that, uh, for even just that, I would give the movie a straight F. Just and, to continue uh, the 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 kind of theme of totally contradicting previous movies. I hope, please let this be true. Oh God, this would be so awesome. If in the third movie you find out that his twin was just in his head. I'd love that. And he was actually <laughs> kind of working for both. I would champion the entire trilogy Gosh, for a year of my yeah. life if they went with that yeah. plot twist. That would change everything for me. Gosh. Yeah. Merit's just a so raging great. alcoholic, and this is all like a yeah. illusion. Well, the something. first two movies were a fever dream, and the third yeah. movie's escaping yeah. from a prison in Macau. Okay. Oh, man, that would be awesome. I was that. 100% convinced that when we got to the end that – Woody, that Merritt and his brother were going to have switched places. That that crazy yeah. uh, twin Woody on the plane was actually going to be real Woody, and that they had hypnotized his twin into pretending to be Merritt. I was, I was. That would have been a way better. That, uh, that would have been a way better twist. It would have, yeah. I was very disappointed. Wow. 
um, having said that, uh, let's move on, guys, and uh, actually get your grade. Did you give it a grade yet? Um, oh, yeah, straight F. Okay, like even just F. from that one scene would be a straight F and with everything else <laughs> added to it. I, you know, I know the minuses are cute, but for me, we're at a 0% at the F, and I don't, I don't know that I really need to put any more dirt on it, you know? Absolutely. I, guys, I don't understand how this is 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I get why the first one is hovering in the 45 to 50 range, but... This is like a really, really, really bad movie. Critics should not be able to. And I, Ask Sean to each his own. To each his own. Ask Sean O'Connell. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it. Yeah, yeah. Tweet Sean him. O'Connell Ask him. And yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. Like this is, if you are supposed to watch movies critically for a profession, like I said, to each his own. I don't like to call out other critics for disagreeing with me or anything like that, but I am just shocked. I, I'm shocked after having seen this movie that it sits as high as it does. That that 39 professional critics have given this a fresh rating. Like, I just, I don't get it. I, I can't understand that. But then again, Draft Day was certified fresh. So, <laughs> so what do I know? That movie is so bad. Is it certified fresh? Are you kidding me? It's others. Yeah, let me, I'll Uh-oh. look it up. Kids, we got 30 more minutes of Ken Anger now. I can't believe that. <laughs> Kid, Kit's so angry. That one, uh, that one is he, maybe worse in what some it, ways okay, than how you see me. It's not certified fresh, but it is 60? It is 60% fresh. What was, exactly uh, 60. 91 what was, reviews. What was BVS and uh, Fantastic Four? Do you remember off the top of your Fantastic head? Fantastic Four was like sub 30. It was like 27%. Fantastic Four, I think, was sub uh, sub 10. Gosh. Yeah. Let's, let's pull that up here. Because those are my current standards. Yep. Awful. Yep. Fantastic Four was nine percent, and I believe Batman v Superman finished at like twenty-seven percent, something like that. Wow. Well, not good. <laughs> not good at all. <laughs> nine percent. Gosh, nine percent. That's that should be really difficult to pull off. Some, That's inst- oof, man, man. I want to be the one, the critics that recommend. That just had the worst track record on Rotten Tomatoes. I wonder what kind of messages they get yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. They've recommended Somebody every movie. Named, They're the uh, only person. Yeah. <laughs> There's 19 fresh ratings on Rotten from Fantastic Four. David Newsare of Real Film Reviews, who is a top critic, his blurb is an above average comic book adaptation. Like, Ugh. in what world is this an above average? <laughs> Yeah, yeah what's what's the mark is, of average? Yeah, he may have failed high school math. Like he may not have <laughs> Okay. Hey, what's up, ma'am fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy-glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad 
That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Well, let's uh, let's move on, guys. Let's uh, hit a recommend. Weekly recommend. Okay. I am going to recommend a movie. A uh, good, fun comic book movie, actually. And one that uh, I can revisit. And it's a, maybe the best DC comic book movie other than Chris Nolan's. It is V for Vendetta. Uh, really nice. like this like this movie. Some really fun sequences uh, and uh, very suspense. Not your average comic book movie at all. And um, very uh, very well told. Good performances by Natalie Portman and uh, Hugo Weaving. Uh-huh. And uh, really, um, like like I said, it kind of stands apart from the rest of the DC universe. And you almost forget that it's a comic book movie. It's a uh, just a really really interesting. Uh, kind of action film uh heist not heist but suspense thriller um if you haven't seen it check it out it's worth your time v for vendetta underrated underrated greatness yeah really Uh, good movie i hadn't watched it in several years until i did my dc rankings in in march that scene uh, where where guy fox like takes over the cable company and like broadcasts himself like that's terrifying Mm -hmm. that 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 Mm -hmm. is like how you do it when you come when it comes to hijacking a uh, you know, over, uh, the the TV of a you know they do that, and now you see me too, where they the uh, killer or the villain hijacks the world's <laughs> broadcast. Yeah. Uh, not intimidating yeah. at all. It's just kind of funny, actually. This was right. was scary. Yeah. He was putting masks on everybody, you know, inside the mm-hmm. the uh, cable place. It was it was really clever, um, yeah. but it, it was fun. So and that's the that's the height of uh, Hugo Weaving because that's yeah. uh, that that was right when he was sort of in that prime five or six years where he was just just fantastic to watch in anything that yep. he was in. And he's Red Skull too. He didn't mm-hmm. didn't use him as well in Red Skull, but man, he had a yeah he had a pretty good run there for a while. Yeah. Uh, so that's my recommend. V for Vendetta. Uh, Jason. I'm actually going to recommend a a podcast and show that sort of combined together. Uh, if you know me, you'll know that my favorite show is the first four seasons of West Wing. Uh, it is absolutely brilliant. It's some of the best written stuff you'll you'll ever see. It's when Aaron Sorkin really – I mean he was always great, but it, it, he really hits a stride there for those first four years. And uh, earlier this year, a podcast launched called The West Wing Weekly. And it is uh, Josh Molina who plays a character on the West Wing for the back four seasons of it and uh, Rishi Herway who's the host of Song Exploder, which is a a podcast that I don't know but has some legs. And what they've started doing is going through beginning in season one, episode one and one episode a week drops and they assume that you've watched it. And they just do commentary on the episode, not like a live commentary, but a uh, thoughts about it, uh, critical analysis of it. And they've been able to start grabbing a lot of the actors and stars and other people associated with it to come in and guest on the podcast. Um, And it's really cool for the longtime fans for me. But actually, the reason I'm recommending it is because I have a feeling 
this would be an absolutely fascinating way to get into a great old show like The West Wing where your time commitment wouldn't be a binge. It would be a watch an episode, listen to the podcast, watch an episode, listen to the podcast and really get to experience a show uh, in in a very different way where you're getting to uh, – sort of experience it for the first time and with the insights of someone who's a part of the production and with appearances by the actors who are actually on screen, you know, reflecting on the ep- that episode in particular. Um, so that's, that's, that's my Great. recommend for this week. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Brian. I'm going to recommend a TV show that just hit Amazon prime. I think today uh, it is the first season of Mr. Robot. The second oh, season debuts, streaming? dude, it's on there. It's available. It's, it's, I think it's 10 episodes. It's at most 13 episodes. It might be 10 episodes. Uh, I, I binged it last year. I didn't, I didn't watch it uh, on when it was on the air. I, I watched it on DVD and it's one of the most unique and original and fascinating shows that I've ever watched. So it's such an easy viewing. And the, uh, the, the second, the second season starts, I think in like late July. Uh, and it's, it's a hundred percent worth your time. It's kind of dark and gritty. So if you're not into that kind of uh, TV show or that kind of film, then it, it may not be for you. But uh, Rami Malek is incredible, and Christian Slater, Christian Slater. I I have this weird like I love Christian Slater, and he has not done anything good, maybe ever, but definitely in the last like twenty five years. And this is kind of like that redeeming moment for him. Like he's very, very good in the in the show, and uh, and it works really well. So uh, check that out for sure. It's I think if you're a listener of this podcast uh, and you, and you you know I think you would probably enjoy enjoy the show. It's very good, very good. Check it out. Okay, Richard. Yeah, I'm gonna do a uh, a good movie about magic. Just go watch the Prestige. It's good. Yes, yeah. good call. Good yeah, call. it'll cleanse your palate on this. I wonder how Michael Caine can do both of those and feel good about oh, it. Oh, man. Straight cash, sure, homie. Pretty sure he, he didn't know what was in this movie. Oh, yeah. My yeah. understanding is if you write Michael Caine a paycheck, he will do any movie. Yeah. Same with Morgan yeah. Freeman. Oh. Is it, him? Yeah. is it him that like looks at the script and sees if he's alive at the beginning of the end? <laughs> that does yes. It? Yeah. I think that is, yeah. yeah. And he is Kane. on record. Yeah. He's on record. I think it was Jaws two or four it was or whatever. Four. Yeah. yeah where he just straight up said sometimes you got to get paid <laughs> sometimes i need a paycheck and that's all that it is so Jaws you know props to him for that yeah at Ken i's high school um in the library there was one um DV- i think it was actually a laser disc because our school in, in heavily invested in laser disc players and uh that went well but there was one uh disc on um acting and it was michael kane teaches acting and uh I don't know why they had it at the school. It was like from the late 80s. And he would just, he purposefully just gave awful advice. I think because he didn't want anyone to come for his, his spot. <laughs> and all the advice, it's really funny when you go back and watch Michael Caine movies because he doesn't follow any of the advice. But my favorite one that I always remember is never blink when you're on camera. <laughs> and if you watch him, he always blinks. And so he's clearly just trying to make everyone a worse actor so he can get more money. That's my theory. Never blink when you're on camera. <laughs> what kind of advice is that? I don't know. He's like, Actors when you're on blink. camera, never blink. I don't do very good Michael Caine, but... Gosh. You'll be I Haley mean... Joel Osment in artificial intelligence. You won't blink for the entire <laughs> a, length of the it's film. It's a step up from Adler and Meisner, that's for sure. That's insane. That's funny, though. All oh, right. Man. Well, I guess we this about it, wraps guys. it up, guys. We did it. We made it. 
Um, I'm frustrated. I'm boiling three, still. I'm gonna three be... more years, guys. Three more years till we can get to the next one. That's all we have going for us at this point. Yeah. We gotta go see it together. Yeah, we need to. Do you think we can find a theater that'll throw the other t- show the other two before the third? Because that's what I want. I want a nine-hour binge. Yeah. Oh. Well, by then we'll be billionaires, so we can make that. We happen. can do that ourselves. Yeah, we'll make. <laughs> but now you see me hate fan club is pretty big. So yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Well, happy curb um, day, Kent. Happy curb thank day. Thank you. Curb is back. That's all it needs to be said. But uh, where can we find you online, Jason? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at jdavidson214. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Where can we find you, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill12, and you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Richard Barton. I forgot for a second. Uh, at richardbarton.com, at madaboutmovies.com, or at the Mad About Movies podcast monthly newsletter, which issue number three will be out the 1st of July. So while you're sitting there listening to our lovely little dulcet tones, go ahead and subscribe and uh, knock that out so you can get some original content from us every month. Absolutely. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, throw us five stars. Leave us a review. That goes a long way. And uh, tell a friend. We appreciate that as well. Uh, But until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See you. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me yeah, yeah.